What's up, everybody? J-Mac here to talk to you about today's sponsor of the show. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title, and get started listening right this second right when you get done with this episode of The Outfielder. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash SLM and get started today. What's up, everybody? and Welcome back to The Outfielder Podcast, episode 79, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. Love me some queen. Baseball. Ben, what's going on, man? For the record, I was talking about the rock and or roll band, not the monarchy necessarily. Although that doesn't necessarily mean I don't have some hot sports opinions on the monarchy. But you know who really has hot sports opinions on the monarchy? They're coming right up over there on that big old throne. Ladies and gentlemen, now batting cleanup for the Outfielder Podcast. Number three, the great... Sam Bino. Good evening, Sam. Hello. How are y'all? Not too damn bad. Glad to be back. You guys held down the fort nicely without me. I appreciate it. It was uh, good to just get a little bit of rest time. First episode I've missed in 79 episodes. It's many, many episodes. I mean, you deserve a break. I missed more than that. Probably missed eight to ten. Many regular size episodes as well. Right, right. But no, you guys did a great job. I, I Like I said, I appreciate it. It was great to listen back and just get to take in some baseball talk and not have to, you know, put it out in the world myself. So, you know, like I said, kudos. I don't necessarily agree with some of the points uh, about the Mets, but we'll get into that here in a little while. Excellent. I will stand by. I will stand by every take I made, uh, oh win, lose, or draw. Oh now, boy. Ben, I have to ask, what is my throne made out of? Uh. Well, it started out as a rocking chair outside of Cracker Barrel, but you dipped it in bronze, like what people used to do with their kids' shoes in like the 50s. And so now it's just anyone's guess. What the hell? I like bronze. Third place? You yeah. want to hear a weird historical thing that came up that reminded me of y'all, but not necessarily for baseball reasons? Yes. So I'm 31 years old. I started college again today. I went back to school. I am uh, enrolled in one online class. And uh, thank you. Appreciate that. Anyway, here's the thing. So there was, um, like, we're, it's an online class. You have to do the discussion boards and all that. And the class is history from the Civil War to, like, now. So I should be okay at it because I love history. But this woman in her discussion board post says, like, as her interesting fact about herself, that she is a great, 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 great niece of John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> what a weird flex. Well, and then, and then she like, in parentheses, she puts the noted actor and, of course, president killer. Like, who is with actor? <laughs> and then to make matters worse, like the first chapter is talking about the, the end of the Civil War. Uh, of course, and yeah. Lincoln, and I was just like, 
wow, that is a bold take from day one. So anyway, back to school, <laughs> plenty of content likely to come out of the local community college. Do you think that she sniped that course knowing that it was end of Civil War material onwards so that she wouldn't get called out? So I don't know, because the other thing that I because I thought about mentioning that she also was like in her post said something about being into like Tsar Catherine the Great era Russian fashion. All right. And I was like, first off, that's an exhausting thing to try to say. But secondly, that was pre-Civil War. So I don't know. It, the, the descriptions are wildly long, which makes me feel like she's lying. All of it. I'm just going to say it. Did no, Go ahead. Did she explain how many cats she has and what their <laughs> names are? It's at least three cats. At least. The cats are all named after the other conspirators to kill Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. That's that's wild, though. Well, congrats on going back to school, man. I, I told you you got to, you know... Got to land the degree to be able to take Sensibly Loud to the next plane. So that's what you're doing. I love it. Yeah, I still don't know what I'm going to do with a PhD of baseball, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, and I also don't know what I'm going to do if you don't get said degree. So, I mean, I think either way, you're probably pretty good, right? Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I think, yeah, regardless of outcome, I'm not, I might not be Max Muncy hitting like four home runs in the last three games or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, I think you should talk talk to Mark McLemore, who is the doctor of defense. <laughs> Can you crickets that? Because that was a really good baseball. <laughs> it was. That actually, it was so bad it made me laugh. <laughs> that was wonderful. Come on, that's perfect. There's nobody else who's. Oh, I could Doc Holiday, but ugh, yeah. sorry. No, it's yeah, right. uh, Sam, ten points to Gryffindor on that one. Doc Holiday might be one of the best baseball names there is, though. That's an incredible name. Anybody with name Doc immediately gets like mini mini brownie points. I'm gonna see your Doc Holiday and raise you Catfish Hunter. Okay, we need to do this like formally where we rank all the names. We'll do that in the off season because I think there's some incredible ones out there that we probably don't even know about necessarily. Totally worth doing. Yeah, I feel like we talk about names and all that all the time around here. Well, it has been good to have a little bit of time off from everything around here because I have had a chance to watch. A dickload of more baseball, which has been great. And it's like August, so like traditionally it's kind of a boring time. But I've actually kind of been subscribing to Sam's theory about DFAs and watching what teams are doing kind of on the backside of everything. Now that the trade deadline passed, uh, episode 78 for those that don't know what I'm talking about. Laid out the whole theory. I like it. I subscribe to it. I think it's been great to watch these teams, though, try to make these deals and like just understand what they are and then let these guys go if they're not going to be anything of value and let them go be of value to somewhere else without really having to hassle them, I guess, and deal with waivers and all that crap. It's cool. I like it. I wonder if this sort of behavior is going to repeat itself next season or if there'll be like a whole new slew of strategies when it comes to the deadline. Um, it was just kind of weird, right? All these very like... B-plus list players getting dropped yeah. and then picked up. So basketball does something very similar where they just they have buyouts after the trade deadline, and so they can just buy older... It's usually veterans and stuff. They can buy them out, and they can go to another team where they can contribute, and that's exactly what this feels like, which I'm fine with. I, I mean, it's going to be people like Eric Hosmer like, that are going to be you know having a pretty solid career but probably never going to actually win a ring. Actually, he does have a ring, but players like that where they're going to 
you know, be able to go to somewhere and actually contribute somewhere where they may not have had that opportunity before, which I totally respect and all about. So at this juncture, are you willing to buy into Sam's, quote, conspiracy theory, unquote, or at this point, is it still uh, not quite there yet? Oh, it, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think that's exactly what's happening. So I, is it making the game of baseball better or worse, or what's your what's your take on if this is what's happening, what's the outcome? I think it makes the game better. I think it's better for player satisfaction, and I think it's better for teams that, you know, I mean, the, the list that Sam read off was pretty pretty intensive as far as big name guys that are just out there floating around and i think ultimately that helps make the product better because i mean we've already talked a lot about like the juiced balls thing and trying to make offense more uh, prevalent in the game and and all that and it just seems like this is another step towards the strengthening of offense in baseball because that's typically what you're seeing here is hitters not really pitchers i mean there are a few pitchers but most of that business seems like it was done by the deadline. I mean, would you guys agree? It was mostly offensive pieces that were getting moved. So, um, yes. And I, I just, I look at guys like Granky and how major of acquisitions those were, Stroman, all that, and, like, those were worth a lot of value. But, I mean, some of these hitters, I mean, maybe not a ton for a team that's not going anywhere, but could be really big for bench depth and all that stuff when it comes to the playoffs. So, I'm a I'm a proponent of it from all levels. I think this makes baseball better. Well, excellent. Well, we're all for that. And uh, side note, when you mentioned Stroman, I kept thinking, uh, I thought you meant Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago from Pierce <laughs> Bueller. Yes. And it took about 90 seconds to, to play catch up mentally. So Love that. Love that it took you the minute and a half, too. It's good. Um, but yeah, man. So it's been great to like really relax and watch baseball. Have you guys done a whole lot of baseball watching in the last couple of weeks? So I really enjoyed catching um, the Rangers Twins series, not because of my normal reasons of liking the Rangers, but just, man, the Twins came to Texas and were just knocking the socks off of Texas. And even whenever, like, Texas had put seven runs on them, they were still down nine to seven, you know, and then it, like, got worse. I think that was Saturday night whenever the Rangers both tried to honor, question mark, Josh Hamilton, uh, and then also... um, you know, there was an almost brawl where the bench is cleared. Did you right. catch any of that? We, I did. I, I want to talk about this Josh Hamilton thing. We talked a lot about it a little bit whenever it first came out. Are you guys outraged that he's in the Rangers Hall of Fame? You, you should be. I'm not. No? I'm not enraged. We, we've discussed this, I think, maybe briefly in person. But I am not enraged because when he was good for the Rangers, he was very good for the Rangers. But when he was bad, he was much worse than he was good. Okay, Ben, where do you follow this? um, So I'm in the headline by saying I've never liked Josh Hamilton, even when he was totally being, uh, you know, like all-star caliber play and one of the strongest Rangers on their lineup. Personally, I think he monetized and capitalized on his addiction story, and I don't necessarily, this is my own Ben baseball opinion, I don't feel that it was entirely genuine. It seemed more like profiteering. So I've always disliked him. The question that you pose, though, is should he be in the Rangers Hall? And I statistically, I'd say most likely, except for the fact that he can't go in and say, I was born to play baseball in Texas because he signed. What was it that you threw out there? $120 million contract to go play in a division rival. Exactly. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Do you really give a shit about the Rangers? That's that's where 
my head's at on it as well. I mean, play-wise, probably you're right, Ben. And I, I agree with you. I think that he tried to capitalize on his addiction or his... I'm not really sure what was going on there as far as like his marriage situation and all that. And a lot of that stuff plays in. So I, I, I don't really want to judge all that. But I will say that it felt like he was hamming it up, no pun intended, at times. Because he just... It didn't seem genuine. It never did. And it, it just... I get the play aspect because he was fucking electric when he was here. But, I mean, the guy was just a raging douchebag all at the same time. I mean, they dealt with... I mean, he was on the... the DL at one point for having dry eyes. Yeah. I do you uh, do you see Michael Young being on the DL for dry eyes? No. No, but I also don't see Michael Young like pounding a bunch of Red Bulls, which is exactly what Josh Hamilton would do. He'd get he overdose on caffeine and then go play baseball games with like blurry vision and miss fly balls. Um yeah, not I, some of the other injuries that he had were like n- just not okay. Yeah, I'm going to say Michael Young had the wettest of eyes. Right. I, I my point hmm. is like that's somebody who was a ranger in my mind always, or was it, he always was right, or was he? Well, that's the thing is he started in Cincinnati. He did he played okay. for six years for Texas, two years in Los Angeles, and then came back to Texas in 2015. Yeah, he got traded at one point too. I'm pretty sure, but yes. Yeah. Regardless, though, he was always loyal to here, and he didn't take a shit on on Texas like like Josh Hamilton did before he oh, left. Oh, sorry. I, I just gave you Hamilton's team. I thought oh, you meant Michael. Sorry. I, I just gave you Hamilton. I didn't realize you were talking about Michael Young. I Got apologize. It. No, no, you're good. But it, the point is, like, he turned around and took a big shit on, on Texas right before he left and to sign a contract with the division rival and basically made it sound like they didn't do anything for him, which is not true. I would well, say, I would argue that they put up with more than any other team typically would. They so, gave him second and third chances too, right? Exactly. I mean, he was on the brink of absolute demotion, and they they hung on to him for a little while. He's already in the in the midst of a redemption story from his addiction and his like second coming of Jesus or whatever. And uh, yeah, they he got lots from Texas. He extracted a lot out of us. Well, you know what? Let's say so. I have the the stats right here. He played for Texas for six years. That's six hundred ninety seven games, uh, eight hundred fourteen hits. 150 home runs, 531 RBIs, 40 stolen bases, which he wasn't really a, a no. base runner. No. Uh, batting average 302, OBP a 359, slugging percentage of 542, OPS a 901. Pretty good. really good. Pretty fucking good. By that the numbers, is. it makes a lot of sense. I get it. But, I mean... Do we take character into account here? I mean, we I know we do in the real Hall of Fame. That's why A-Rod and Barry Bonds aren't there. That's my point. I just think it cheapens guys like Michael Young or Pudge or whoever that are in the Texas Hall of Fame. Yeah, so his his overall war uh, it just in time in Texas is 23. Wow. That is good. And it's pretty good. It's the crazy part about that is the fact that he was really only good for like a couple of years before he really declined fast. So that means that the years he was really good, he was even better than really good to balance out the rest of that. Like he was yeah, there fucking were five electric. years that he was an all-star. Yeah, he was absolutely electric when he was here. But like I said, I, I, I think that is the better question, Sam, is do you take character into consideration here? I do, but I get I get where you're coming from as far as the numbers go. I was at an Oakland A's game and they were playing the Rangers. It might have been, it was either a wild card game or a tiebreaker game to go to the wild card spot. 
and he dropped a fly ball in center field for Oakland to win it. Oh boy. Um, and they, I mean, they made shirts that said he dropped it because that's what like the, the announcer said with his like very booming voice. Um, so for that reason, he dropped it. I, I, he dropped it. I remember that. <laughs> I, I hate Josh Hamilton, but by the numbers, I think he belongs there. I mean, I remember the game where he hit, was it four or five home runs? That game was incredible. Yeah. Dude, and like yes. watching him compete in like the uh, home run derby and all that was awesome. Just sweating out all the coke. <laughs> That's all it was. That's pretty much That's all more. it was. Oh, I thought he was looking for Pepsi. Mm, not a Pepsi guy. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the A's. I love that they signed Matt Harvey uh, over the last oh, couple of days. So do I. Why would you do this? Why wouldn't you? What a low stakes move. <laughs> well, 30 other teams decide no, or th- I guess 29 other teams decide, hey, we're good. So I, I, something's in Matt Harvey. We've seen him be really good. Like he can't bring it out of him, but maybe the A's can. I, I love the demotion from the Mets to Cincinnati. That is like the biggest slap in the face ever, right? Like I go, you're going to Cincy. Yeah, and then he goes to the uh, the Angels, and it's like, okay, so what's going on? He has a couple good starts w- with them, and now he's with the A's. Like, I don't know, maybe they have a coach that can get through to him or something. But I just love that he's with the A's. I'm gonna look. I I never really kept track of what he did when he was with Los Angeles. So obviously, because he did have a couple of good starts right out of the gate, or I wouldn't say good starts, but they were they were quality starts. They were like they were four fine. Five. Yeah. He's not missing bats. He's not striking out a bunch of guys, um, but he he got the job done a couple of times there, and then he had some meltdowns. And, oh boy! So this will this I will guess tell the, the story. question that I'd wonder as you're pulling up the stats is if you look at the rest of the A's pitching, like is it going to be an improvement? So I think the answer is no, as indicated by a couple of people on the DL and in the minor leagues. They just called up a guy named AG, AJ Puck. Or puke, maybe it's P-U-K. I want it to be um, puke so bad. I want it to be puke as well. He, they called him up. Uh, they've got Sean Manea on the DL, or I'm sorry, in minors. He's been crushing uh, minor league hitters with his fastball and his wicked slider. They could call him up. So I, I don't think it would be an improvement for starters, but um, you could always use bullpen help. Like I'm sure Matt Harvey could spin one and a half good innings. I don't know based on these numbers that he can. Let me read these. <laughs> Let me read these to you. <laughs> so this is just 2019 with the Angels because I don't think he's even like I think he just signed yesterday with the A's. So it's, it's very recent, very recent. And he's going to take a few days to get up to speed and whatnot. He's got a seven ERA. He's three and five on the year. He's got so this is over 59 innings pitched. He's got 40. Let's see. 48 runs. 47 of those were earned. Mm. So that's not great. You've got a 1.542 whip, and you have home runs two per nine inning, and you have a nine and a half hits per nine. So that's overall not great, and probably why other teams didn't want any sniff of it. But I see where your head's at as far as the risk. I just, mm, I'm good. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I think it's the, you know, context means everything. And if Oakland's looking for the right spark you know contextually they're only one and a half back of the second wild card spot so maybe they're looking for what can we do to showcase our players that we believe in them uh, or at least what can we do that we think will showcase to our players to believe in them you know i don't know if they'll feel the same way 
but that way they can definitely try to get them over the hump and into that second wild card spot. It's a good point because the wild card race is going to be wild on both sides as we get down to the end. Like it really is. Like there's, we'll we'll kind of get into the kind of the the standings and everything in a few minutes. But there's there's just a lot going on. There's divisions we have no idea how they're going to shake out at all. Like the AL Central might be the most electric ba- uh, baseball division right now. It, it's crazy. I don't yeah, know the though. AL the NL Central is going to. The AL Central is going to go one of two ways, and the NL Central is going to go any number of directions. Yeah. Yeah. So how much of this do you think could be them trying to potentially extract value from him? Like, what if he does have a couple of good starts, and then they just, like, sell him in the winter meetings? I don't even know if it's going to be starts. I I agree with you. I think he's just going to be a bullpen thing, uh, like a bullpen hand, because that's what they've got going on there. Like, that's pretty much everything is made up, or the whole, like, pitching staff is made up of bullpen. I'm wondering if they they have some like split data on him that shows him like very excellent against certain types of hitters and they could like do matchup pitching with him. Well, and to, kind of to your point, it's probably worth the nothing you're going to pay the guy to see how it goes. So, yeah. But I mean, talk about a fall from grace. No shit. It's one of the worst I've seen in a, a while. I've seen some pretty bad. Ones. Yeah, it is. I, I think somebody that could definitely benefit from some pitching help it doesn't even matter anymore the red Sox are dead it's it's over i did so chris sale visited with dr james andrews today and turns out he is not going to need tommy john surgery took an injection to the elbow out six weeks i.e that's the year so this thing's done goose is cooked well how do you like your goose well done because that's what's happening here i'm just i'm so furious about the whole thing and how it's gone i really am i'm glad that you guys took a shit on him last week because i sure was ready to yeah we had to we had to hold the mantle up for you but how much of this is dombrowski's fault he all did of it. no pitch, no no pitching things at all and it was all pitching that's the whole issue all of it is his fault no doubt about all of it. it every bit of it <laughs> every fucking bit of it is his fault we went into this year thinking he didn't do enough and it got worse, and then he still sat on his fucking hands. That's just infuriating to me. Yeah. The, the, one of those quotes was ridiculous, where he was talking about wanting to be in the wild card game with the Astros, and it's like, what are you dude, saying? You're, you are out of touch. They're going to win the division. Not going to win the division. Not going to fucking win a wild card spot either, because they're not anywhere close to that at this point. It Maybe. seems unlikely that they'll make it. I'm sorry, your season is dead. Our seasons have been dead for quite a while now. True. And Absolutely. I've got to say, I've been thoroughly enjoying the rest of the teams in the MLB. Once you lose sight or focus of the team that you love because you know that they're not going to do it, everything else just looks a little greener. It's really hard to like let that just happen when you just won a World Series and you know that window is so small and that just a couple of moves would have really probably set the course overall i don't know the starting pitching has been just as bad though so i I mean i'm not really sure well that's the thing j mac we wouldn't know we've never had that problem good point it's very fair but i'm just saying like whenever that window's open and you guys would feel the same way you've got to try to capitalize and they just didn't and they hear you they did less than didn't they just i i don't even know they were out to lunch throughout the entire deadline or something like I, i i'm just I'm I'm still without words, and it's been like a month. It's not a good look. I mean, they didn't do anything in the offseason to pick up pitching. They did less than nothing by letting players go. 
Um, and then they did nothing on the deadline. There's some somebody's brain dead in that front office, and it might it might start at the top. It definitely starts at the top. And I mean, I get the whole like not trading what's left of your prospects because they don't have much left. I get that, but you've got to do something, something, anything. They did nothing. They added Andrew Kashner. Andrew Kashner. That was their solution. That guy. At the time, stinks. it seemed okay. No, it didn't. <laughs> did not seem okay it's the only reason it seemed okay was that was one of the first moves they made yeah i didn't realize that would be the only move they would make yeah how do they not go out and get Cindergard or anybody well, that's, thing is, that's no and so that's that's where you really need to back it up and say was it that they weren't making moves or they weren't getting the deals done because there's a difference in me not willing to spend money or me going out there willing to spend money and people not taking me up on it. Like if I wouldn't, there's a difference in I didn't chase a uh, Syndergaard or we couldn't agree over a matter of $5 million in an extra year or something. It's a good point. Right. But they weren't even, I mean, from what I can tell, and I'm pretty damn plugged into like what's going on with them at all points in time. From what I could tell, they did nothing. Like they didn't even try to do deals. Like every deal that they were floated towards, that it was like, oh, well, the Red Sox could be interested in Edwin Diaz, for example. And then all of a sudden it was just like, nope, Red Sox aren't interested. And it wasn't even a question. There were no conversations here, it didn't sound like. so. Which makes me even more angry. Because there is a difference. If you're not getting the deals done, that's not something you can necessarily help always. And I think we'd hear about that. I mean, there are stories starting to trickle out about deals that fell through. Uh, one that comes to mind is Ian Kennedy from uh, the Kansas City Royals. He's a starter that fell from grace and has really shored up his position um, on the pitching staff as a closer there. And he's been nails. The Braves were trying to sign him, and they came so close to doing so. Um, and they just fell through. The deal fell through on, like, some minor details. Um, so I think there's there's a number of those stories sort of circulating about deals that could have been. And we're not hearing any of those out of the Boston camp or from the teams that were trying to deal players to them. It just seems like there's nothing and that's infuriating even more so like if you're not getting them done i get that but come on so, so are anyway. you willing to say that boston is your pos of the week no i'm not because i've got another one for you here in just a second but we'll get to that love it all right well i guess that's a, a nice natural segue let's do the pos corner this is paul ramham from wbat in cincinnati we interrupt this regular scheduled programming to bring you this breaking news bulletin it appears that people have been called pieces of shit from around the globe. Baseball players in particular seem to be the main target. However, no person, concept, or universe is exempt from this cruel but very usual punishment. The perpetrator has been identified as the great Sambino. Police have confirmed that he is still at large and about to take his piece of shit corner. Ding, ding, ding. Huge piece of shit. Hello, America. Let's talk pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you like that. So confident. So such poise. I love it. I'm going to need you guys to hang in here with me on this one. All right. <clears throat> this is another sort of fall from grace that has largely been passed over and no one's talking about this. This is about a player named Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins is uh, the first baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. He came on the stage two or three years ago and, and at the time was the fastest guy to 10 home runs um, in his career. That has now been usurped by Aristides Aquino of the Reds, who's a whole other sort of statistical phenom that we should talk about another time. But 
Reese Hoskins is largely a very good power hitter, very patient um, hitter as well. He walks a lot, great OBP traditionally. But uh, so let me give you the the headline stats for the year. He's batting 237. He's got 24 home runs, 70 RBIs, and a 377 uh, on base percentage. Really strong numbers. But how many games played? Games played. Um, well, he has 434 at bats, okay. so right. damn near the whole season. So okay, 123 cool. this season so far. Pretty good. Thank you for that. Uh, in the month of August, he is six for 57. That's a 105 batting average. Oh, uh, his on base is 278. Um, two, uh, let's see, zero home runs, one home run in August. Yikes. Yeah. So to put that into perspective, just for just a little bit, um, Chris Davis with a K, the good one, who's actually having like a really shitty season. His, his August, he's batting 143 uh, with with no home runs. But Chris Davis has like been terrible, terrible, terrible this year. And Reese Hoskins is doing even worse than that. 105 for the month of August. Do me it a, is August 20th tomorrow. Do me half a, of the Mendoza line. <laughs> Half of the Demon yeah. Do me, do me a solid so, favor real quick. Compare him to the other Chris Davis, just so we can get a feel for where everything's at here. And while yeah. you're pulling it up... Because guaranteed he's stat, about as bad. Our new stat, instead of Mendoza line, when you're half of that, it's like the Mendoza dotted line. Like, you can't even get the full line there. <laughs> yeah, it's like the outfielder line. Yes. Oh, man. That is terrible, though. That is just... what a. So, they just hired Charlie Manuel as their hitting coach. Which, okay, here, here okay. we go. Real Chris Davis batting 161 for the month of August. Okay, so he's the best of the three. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Reese Hoskins, 105. And this is for a very good recently Phillies team. You have got to think about how good they would be if they had their premier on base and power hitter outside of Bryce Harper doing his job a lot better. Um, so, you know, you think maybe there's a lingering injury. Maybe he's just something or something, but... It's not looking good for Reese Hoskins. And the, you know, the trend line there is pretty um, down and to the right as well. Month of March, 333. April, 276. Then we get into July, we're at 244. And now we're in August at 105. It's like a, a, a pretty steady um, decline. decline from it's the like start of the season. movies since Wonder Woman. <laughs> I, I'm on board with this. Let's talk more about that. No, so, let's keep going with the POS corner. So, <laughs> I just realized that his name is Reese, and no one good has that name. No, that's very true. That is very true. They just hired Charlie Manuel as their hitting coach, which he's like a hundred years old. And but I mean, he does have a really good way with hitters, though. So I mean, you got to think at least Philly's trying to do something to address this problem because he's not the only one. So worth mentioning that since they brought on that hitting coach, Bryce Harper has like seven or eight home runs in the past nine games. Yeah, probably coincidence, but also could be a lot of just adjustments. Maybe Bryce Harper, you heard it here first. Bryce Harper really likes old men. I think that's really what the takeaway here is. Allegedly. Yeah, that's my piece of shit. Okay, that Bryce Harper walk off the other day was killer, too. Sure was. Oh, boy. It just shattered Cubs uh, fans' hearts. It was great. <laughs> so good. But Reese Hoskins, you're a piece of shit for the month of August. Get back on the on the train there, buddy. Okay. All right. Mine, I'm going to go next if that's okay, Ben. Absolutely. Mine happens to be a repeat from like a month ago. 
It is Brett Gardner. This motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Here I just, we go. I don't understand. So the other day during the game, they were playing. Uh, I took all the notes down. Hold on. Let me pull it up. But they were playing in the game. It was a day game. And everything kind of got fiery again. And he basically did the same exact thing where he took his bat and just started slamming it on the top of the dugout. The umpires saw it and threw him out of the game. And he ran out there trying to play the whole, oh, what, what do you mean? Why are you throwing me out of the game? What did I do? Card. This guy is the biggest piece of shit that exists in baseball. And I, I, I don't even care that he plays for the Yankees, honestly. I mean, that definitely does. It doesn't help it. But, like, I don't care what team you play for. Like, act like a goddamn adult. I've made all these points. I've talked about how he's a piece of shit over and over and over. I don't really need to to reiterate all this because everybody knows how I feel about him. But the fact that he was he's doing the same exact thing over and over, just, like, causing destruction in his own dugout is ridiculous. So with that in mind, why would you even attack your own dugout? Like, first off... I'm not a supporter of violence, especially in this. Like, there has to be something else going on. But, like, if you're going to take out property, like, why are you doing it to your own property? I don't. That's the confusing part. It happens every time he doesn't like some call or something like that or some bullshit that's happening on the field. He'll just get a bat out and start banging it on the top of the dugout. I don't understand. Do we think this might have something to do with the fact that he injured himself by throwing a helmet at the dugout and it came back and hit him in the lip maybe he's just found a low impact way to let out his anger i mean maybe (laughs) go ahead ben the bat is less likely to come back and hit him in the face it's true now is it fair to say that we're going to renew his subscription to piece of shit monthly yes excellent i I mean he's like gonna be on the cover (laughs) so here's here's a, a hot take for you what if this is intentional where he's trying to play up the quote-unquote savages angle and play into the Yankees' sort of faux self-described mystique this year? So this is a good point. I think uh, clubhouses develop their own culture and they develop their own little like uh, quips each season. Sure. And the Yankees are on fire this year with that sort of shit. And the clubhouse is totally eating this up. They see him as the veteran and Aaron Judge even said, he runs this shit, and we love it. And I'm fine um, with that. I love that. I think that's necessary. There's always a guy that needs to be that guy. What you don't need to be doing is slamming the top of the fucking dugout, like destroying shit. Like, that's a bad look for kids to see. It's a bad look all the way around. And Major League Baseball should step in and do something about this and say, hey, no more of that shit, or you're going to start being suspended games. You've got yeah. to. Like, because it <laughs> just gets worse and worse. It's true. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but no, he's not it. breaking any. He's not breaking any rules, and to be thrown out of a game for that um, tells me that there's been some some backdoor meetings with the umpire saying like, if he keeps doing that shit, you have to throw him out. That's true. That's a good point. It just feels like he's out there roid raging. That's all it yeah. feels, like, which is absolutely outrageous when it when it is all said and done because that's like they're a good baseball team, and I get the whole like culture and playing into that, but. It just it's unnecessary and it's a bad look for the team. And I know that he thinks it looks cool or that it's funny, but it's a, it's an asshole thing to do. I yeah. I agree. I I can't believe there's not a rule that says don't destroy your team's dugout with a baseball bat. Like, I, I can't believe there needs to be a rule for this. 
Right. There's a lot of things that don't have rules because they shouldn't need to say them. It's like, don't take a shit on the field. That's not a rule, but. I mean, we don't someone, know that we're not going to be there by the time the playoffs are over the way this fucking guy's going. Well, it wasn't a rule. And then we went to our Denver trip and found that Yeti. And now it's a rule. Yeah, now it's a big rule. It's annoying. <laughs> All right. So we've already gone in on him enough over time. This dude is perennially the, the biggest piece of shit in baseball. And it's not even close. Like, he's going to end up in some sort of Hall of Fame by the time this season is all said and done with us. I just don't know what that's going to be yet. The P-O-S-H-O-F? There you go. Perfect. We'll start getting it all together. We've talked about all kinds of ideas for this. We're doing this one. All right, Ben. We're going to paint a plunger gold and mail it to him. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Love it. We'll dip it in bronze. All right, Ben. Your turn. All right. So, a little bit of a setup here. No, we'll just come out and say it. My P-O-S is the Jeopardy game on my Alexa home system. It's not so much it. I love trivia, but I guess they changed it. And on the weekends now, whenever you ask it to play the to play Jeopardy, on Sundays it asks you sports questions, which is totally fine. I love sports questions. But of the 12 questions it gave me, three of them were about the Little League World Series. Okay. Three of them. It is topical right now. Yes. No, uh, they were ignoring it. But I'm just agitated because when I go into a trivia scenario, don't give me, what is it, 25% of my questions are about the Little League World Series? I would like to see disproportionately represented. I would like to point out the fact that I went in pretty hard on the Little League World Series last year, and you called me out like hell for that. And here we are a year later. Same exact situation. Can you regale false, us? False, sir. I am not. I am not going off on the Little League World Series. I'm asking. I am going off on the trivia machines uh, proportions of questions. But you're because prob- you don't like right because your problem is that there are questions about the Little League World Series. Okay. So in that case, gentlemen, I have brought you said questions, the three of them that I could remember. There may have been a fourth one, but I found three. Okay, love it. You ready for this? Can I just preface this with a prediction? Yes. One of the answers to the questions will be Venezuela. Okay, good <laughs> Good guess. All right. All right. So uh, I need y'all, whenever you're ready, uh, throw your hand up and give me a verbal ding. That way I can call on you. Do not shout out your answers. What is the official beverage of the Little League World Series? Ding. Justin. I'm taking a guess. Powerade. Ooh, incorrect. Ding. Sam. Gatorade. Yes. God damn. Also would have accepted Coors Light. No, I'm kidding. Son- <laughs> I was going to jokingly say Bud Diesel, but I thought that would be appropriate. <laughs> yes, uh, it's going to be uh, going to be Gatorade on that. All right, question two. I'm a Gatorade guy, too. That's the most infuriating part. What state... (laughs) Yes, please. What state is the Little League World Series played in? Ding. Ding. Sam. South Dakota. Incorrect. Ding. Justin. Iowa. Also incorrect. Hmm. Feels like a Midwest thing. Close. Rust Belt. It's played in South Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Ah, Got it. All right. Third and final question. 
what southeastern Asian country has the most Little League World Series championships? Ding. Yes, Sam. South Korea. Incorrect. That was also my wife's guess. Hmm. Well, I know it's not north. <laughs> Send them the Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> Send them the plunger, too. Um, yeah. This is not a podcast about human rights violations, but it certainly can be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm always ready. I don't Quick know, but what is it? Taiwan. Taiwan. Interesting. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So anyway, those are your three questions. Each of you went 0 for 3. No, Sam got Gatorade. So Sam, good job on Gatorade. Everyone else did terrible. Thanks for playing. And I like what came out of the POS. Now, yeah, I guess you just don't like the Alexa component and the composition of the questions. Well, that's the thing is I, I actually really, really enjoy Alexa. I also enjoy other Amazon products. Like, for example, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audio book with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash SLM. Then you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash SLM and get started now. Well done, sir. I like the, the dual setup there. It's a little lob to a lob to a home run. I like it. I appreciate that. Here all week, folks. It's good stuck stuff. at headquarters. It's good stuff. They're a, they're a great sponsor. I've been enjoying the hell out of Audible so far. And I, I just love being able to take like my books on the go and actually be able to consume like more than just an hour's worth of content, but actually something that's a little more expansive and that really broadens kind of the, the thought process. So I've always loved books. I love, since I don't have t as much time to read anymore, Audible's the best thing I've, I've found yet. So great sponsor. All right. So a couple of housekeeping items, and we'll kind of run down like what we have as far as surprises in the standings and all that stuff. Sam, how... <laughs> I'm I'm really confused about this Mets thing. I I guess like I, I trying to understand what in this whole period of time leads you to believe that they've hit rock bottom. There is no rock bottom. I mean, numbers wise, you're right, but I just felt as though, and I still I stand by this. I have to own it. Um, that emotionally and organizationally, they couldn't possibly do much worse. Um, and the talent is undoubtedly there for them to do really well and make a run uh, for a wildcard spot. So Absolutely. Really, really, I'm thinking about it in those two ways. It's how could they possibly do much worse from a social standpoint with this club and just like organizationally? And then, hey, the team itself is composed of players that are really good at baseball. And how could they possibly fail anymore? I get and then what they you're went saying. On a crazy run. No, and I get what you're saying, and, and by all other logic, that makes sense as far as, like, if you're talking about another team, but, like, there are just certain teams, and, like, we can get into this another day because it's a really, it's a bigger conversation, but, like, top-down matters when it comes to these organizations, and it it trickles all the way down to the field and or court every single so time. And kind of where we're at right now, so it's been a week since Sam's hot Mets take. Uh, if the season ended today, the Mets would be on the outside looking in. They are two games back of the wild card. 
Uh, they're also the second spot out. So there are three teams tied for the um, just on the outside looking in. So they would have to surpass Milwaukee and Philly like neither of those teams can keep winning. Uh, and they would have to overtake the Cubs or Washington, which they're uh, two back of the Cub and three and a half back of Washington. And Washington has this plus 68 run differential, the Cubs a plus 70, and the Mets a plus 16. So uh, here's here's where I think run differential loses its effectiveness when you think about moving forward in time. We're looking backward at the last 100-plus games true. to get that number. And while that is indicative of overall performance, that doesn't tell you where you're going to go. It does, though. Remember the a couple of years ago, the Rangers were in this situation where they had like a plus two and they were winning games in the most fluky ways possible. And they flamed out like hell in the playoffs. And that's just what happens to these teams. That's my point is while I, I agree with you, it does not exactly guarantee what's going to happen going forward. But I mean, we're 120 games or so into the season like it's a pretty good indication of what these teams yeah. are. yeah okay and, that's fair and i did will just, oh go ahead did you just talk about how you only like to travel forward in time and not backwards <laughs> in time? <laughs> like how long have you been driving a delorean sam <laughs> it's well done we're um, all traveling through time ben it's good point. i understand that and then you're gonna go all up time is a flat circle and yeah, uh yeah hbo's true detective on us I will totally do that. Everything you have done, you will do again. True. <laughs> I would like to point out one more example of how the Mets will manage to fuck this up. And th I, I don't think Jimmy Midtown will love this. And we may have to get him on here to talk about this at some point. Although he has believed that we're a jinx before. So I don't blame him if he if he wouldn't. Because you're going to need a fair amount of luck has been just kind of laid out to make things. Like everything has to fall the right way for this to work out for them. They're... They've got to go. I, I did the math the other day. I wish I would have written it down, but they have to go a pretty, pretty stout record to win over 90 games. And I think you're going to have to win 90 games to get there. I mean, it's that competitive. But I was yeah. watching. I was telling you guys I've been watching a lot of baseball the, on Wednesday night. I have last week. I happened to be watching the uh, the Mets versus Braves game. And these are the kinds of stumbles where this is what cost you spots in the playoffs and, and why you're just why teams like the top down stuff matters. Like Mickey Calloway is one of the more underqualified managers, I would say in baseball for a lot of reasons. We've talked about him blowing up on people in the clubhouse. We've talked about, I mean, just the entire dysfunction that is the Mets. Typically on Wednesday night, they're playing the Braves. It was the seventh inning. Steven Matz was absolutely cruising on the mound. He had retired 14 straight batters with 79 pitches. Wow. Disgusting by all accounts. He produced as many hits as he gave up over the six innings he was in. Wow. For a pitcher, damn good. The Mets had a two-to-one lead in the top of the seventh. They brought on Seth Lugo. They pulled Steven Matz for no real reason whatsoever. Braves you come back to score five times in the seventh, and the Braves win six to four. You said he had only thrown 79 pitches? 79 pitches. Yeah, I don't know why they would have pulled him at that point. Well, and it was funny because I sent you guys a quote in Slack... And I'm going to find it here right quick. But essentially, it was him talking about the bullpen and how, or going against analytics, basically. So slander the Mets for a moment while I find this. Yeah. I mean, Mickey Calloway is arguably the least qualified to be a manager, maybe with the exception of our friend Gabe Kapler at the Phillies. That's yeah, true. I think that in either of those examples, I mean, at least Kapler would have made him a protein shake or something. 
<laughs> or a subscription to Bulk Magazine. Or a subscription to Spray Foam Quarterly. <laughs> I forgot that was real. Uh, no, it's a real thing. And in fact, I was at a, um, I guess this podcast, everyone's going to find out how much I love trivia. I was at a Harry Potter trivia thing on Saturday. Shout out, eighth place out of 20 teams. So we did okay. Not important. What is important is as I looked up between questions, I noticed myself like taking note of the freaking spray foam in that little brew pub that we were in. So like now y'all have me started on it. Like I see spray foam insulation now everywhere I go. And it's like the number 23. You can't stop seeing it. Awareness brings you one step closer to a solution, Ben. Solutions bring you one step closer to enlightenment, Sam. I can't disagree with you at all. I found the quote. (laughs) I found the quote. Uh, Mickey Calloway said after the game, I bet 85% of our decisions go against the analytics. And that is how it's always going to be because that is just on paper. It doesn't take into account the person as human being, how he performs in these big spots, all these things a manager looks at. I definitely agree with that. Other than the fact that 85%, that's that's just wrong. If you're going against the analytics 85% of the time, you're going to lose baseball games, period. Yeah, that should be on its head. It should be 15% of the time. And he was probably just speaking off the cuff there, but still, like, that's the point, is stuff like that matters. It just matters, and, like, competent management matters. The so, analytics would have told him to shut his damn mouth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but he only would have listened 15% of the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. It's a very good point. So I I hope they make it, man. I uh, Obviously, of the New York teams, I'd pull for the Mets any time, but... I just think whenever you have ownership that's terrible, it just doesn't like it, it's it's a trickle down effect. Top down management matters there too. And in sports, the teams that are successful are the owners that say hire the right people and do what needs to be done. I'll write the checks. And that's how you get that's how you're successful, but I just don't believe that the Wilpons have that in them to make those kinds of decisions and Brody Van Wagen is definitely not that guy. So that's Met slander talk. <laughs> So I think that we want to reverse the jinx that we put on the team, and I just wanted to throw some goodwill out there, and now I'm getting shit on about it. Nope, I'm just disagreeing. I think there's a very real chance that they could do something big here, but everything has to fall the right way. And they, I mean, Two games is crazy. Crazy low margin there for them to pass. It really Here's is. Here's what I'm going to say. M-E-T-S. What's that spell? Mets, 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 Mets. <laughs> Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> cool. Crickets. <laughs> there you go. Um, a few notes. Jake Arietta, speaking of the Phillies, just, you know, I've that been guy calling him a piece of shit for years. You have, man. I, I stuck up for him for a while, but I regret doing so. He just, he's out for the season now. Was it a bone spur? Did you see? Mm, that sounds right. I'm not sure. I believe it was a bone oh. spur. So the same thing that kept the president out of NOM? Correct. Something like that. Well done. Um, Scherzer's going to be back here in the, ne- in the next couple of weeks. Ben's really proud of himself, but also regretting that he said that all at the same time. Um, no, Max Scherzer's going to be back. I love this. I mean, that's going to help strengthen the Nats, but I mean, they're still just, they're not going to be there. They're not going to catch Atlanta. Atlanta's really damn good. And I also, they're, in the wild, they're in the number one wild card spot, and they've been on fire. Yeah, I know, but I still think ultimately they're gonna they're gonna phase out. They're still kind of middling, and that's where you're. That's where the Mets have a really good opportunity here. 
Well, that's a that's I mean the real crux of it is just how competitive you know that NL the NL East is you know because you have God I lost my train of thought you have Atlanta you have Washington you have the Mets you have the Phillies all within you know just a handful of games of each other I don't necessarily think the Phillies are going to catch Atlanta but still there's a ton of movements that can happen because we still have six weeks of baseball left. I love that. So I know your point was that we have competitive teams in the in the NL East, but I love how the Marlins are just left out of the division talk entirely. Like they're they're just a non. Obviously, they're not competitive, so it doesn't matter in this context. But we don't ever talk about the Marlins. Like we just basically act like they're not in the division, which is freaking fantastic. We act like they're not in the league. They're a fish, right? <laughs> not a politician. Not a politician. That's right. <laughs> Call back. We got to play we, that. <laughs> so I don't know if this touched uh, your guys' radar yet, but Baltimore's been eliminated from playoff contention. They were their magic number was six when Ben and I recorded last Monday, and I've got to think that they were eliminated like mid last week. They were because they've been playing divisional games. Boston beat the living piss out of them, and they just—I mean, the, I think they have like a three ten winning percentage or something like that on the year. Three fifteen. Holy cow. The Detroit's 306. Oh my God. That's that is rough. brutal, man. That's brutal. 37 and 84 is Detroit. Are we going to have to pour out a tall one for Baltimore? A cold 45 if it's Detroit. That's right. Is, but like, you've got to think, like, so there's like tanking, but this feels worse than tanking. Like, this is like tanking to the extreme. I think they're just bad. Well, yeah, I don't think they have an, I don't think they have a choice. To me, tanking means like intentionally fucking up. They're not this bad. There's no way a team could be this bad if they're just if they're not trying to lose games, right? Name name two Detroit Tigers. Tony. My, <laughs> God damn it! Man. Is that it? Does he have a last name, or is it like a share situation? It's Tony the Tiger. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> unbelievable. Spencer Turnbull, Michael Fulmer, Nick Cassianos is gone. Yeah, no, not many. I, I'm with you, but it just it, that's very intentional. They've made that intentional. They've said we're trying to be bad. I don't know what Baltimore is trying to do, if anything. I mean, there it doesn't really matter, Like given how strong that division is. The AL East, regardless of how bad the Red Sox have been, are still a better team by far than the Orioles. Yeah, by far, sure. too, if their record is to be believed. Yeah, not great. Not awesome. But yeah, so some interesting things here. So one thing that we've kind of commonly talked about in this episode and really over the last couple of months since this story came out is the juiced balls thing, which kind of led to some talk this week about the mercy rule. What do you guys what's you guys take on this? Actually, Ben, set the thing up for us real quick and then we'll do, go around the horn with takes. Yeah. Absolutely. So in Sports Illustrated this week, I believe it was today or yesterday, uh, they did an interview and I believe it was, was it Boone who came out and started talking about it? Yes. Yeah. So uh, Aaron Boone of the New York Yankees came out and was talking about just overall the mercy rule and whether or not it should or shouldn't happen. I can't remember which side of the fence he was on, but now people are talking about it. It's part of the conversation. It's in the consciousness. I'm sure he's thinking about, uh, yeah, he said it was, quote, worth exploring a potential yeah. MLB mercy rule. So I'm, I'm on the fence about this. There, there are pros and cons to having a mercy rule. I think it would give teams an opportunity 
who are like winning their division like crazy to just say, hey, I'm going to take, you know, this game off and I'm going to rest my players another day. So that is, you know, an artificial sort of benefit. Just being able to say like, nope, we forfeit. You know, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to rest my pitchers. I'm going to rest my bullpen. When normally that game could very well go like 13 innings and you blow all your pitchers and they're exhausted, you know, and they have to fly across the country the next day. So I think that would be a little bit unfair. But at the same rate, like, what's the point, right? If it's 22 to 3 and we're playing the Orioles, like, can we just call this thing? It's We've played seven. Maybe it's just about thresholds, right? Like, got to be a threshold. Game after seven and it's like 10 plus innings and then it's at the manager's discretion whether they want to call the game. You have to do that because the other side of that, in a very similar symptom to this, is that if you basically give teams the opportunity to call it, you essentially encourage tanking even more so because every chance you get, you'll go get the hell beaten out of you and then just, you know, yeah, just call so it. I don't, I don't like it one bit. And the reason, the way that I look at it is from like a lineup approach. Like if I'm against Verlander and Houston's hot, but I think I could take him in the next game, like what a terrible move it would be if I'd say, now we're going to sit this one out. Yeah, we're going to rest Altuve and we're going to rest Verlander. Yeah, like that is not a great thing. I agree with you guys there. So that's 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 where I'm anti it. Like it's you know, they're not 12. They're professional athletes that are paid to play 162 games a season and unless their health is a concern, like just just play. You're you're making millions of dollars. Like I don't know what's gotten into Aaron Boone's head. Maybe one of those dugout shots. You know. <laughs> well, this- I mean, his point is whenever teams are beating teams twenty six to three or whatever, like that's ridiculous. And I I do get it from that standpoint. I mean, it's the same concept as like little league and all that. But like at the same time, like. And I think you're going to see more. And I think the reason this is even being talked about is you're going to see more of this because of the fact that we're seeing so much more offense. I can't wait to look at all the totals of runs and everything at the end of this year because it is going to be explosive when you look back on it in history. But even if I'm if I'm sitting at Globe Life Park or whatever they're going to call the new one in Arlington and my beloved Rangers are just getting shellacked even by Houston or by another, uh, you know, maybe the Yankees are in town. I don't want to see the Rangers lose, but it may be neat to be like, oh, yeah, I was at the game where the Yankees hung 26 on them or something. Right. Yeah, that's fair. From the fans experience that that's shitty, right? No one's going to watch Baltimore. They're not going to go to any Baltimore games if you know it's going to be called after the seventh and they're down by eight plus or whatever. But, uh, you know, I'm not surprised that Boone is the one suggesting this. Not surprised at all because his team has been so injury laden he probably more than any other manager knowing that he has a legit shot to win the world series this year is worried about resting his guys. And I guarantee when he's getting destroyed, he's thinking about his best players and how can I get them off the field as soon as possible, because this is not worth my time. So it's pretty self-serving that he's the one recommending this, right? It's not the Orioles talking about this. Well, and the other thing too is I, I, so I agree with that. And I think the other thing too here is that you have, like, think about if this were to happen in a playoff game. You, you'd have to put restriction on it where it couldn't happen in a playoff game. Because Oh, absolutely. E- so even outside of a playoff game, though, that's still lost ad revenue. That's all that stuff. Like, that matters. That's why this will never happen. Because it's all about money when it comes down to it. So, I mean, you, 
There's no, no really reason to talk about this because it would never happen from those standpoints alone. It's the exact same reason they won't play less games. It's the exact same thing. Like, why do that when ultimately you can make more money doing it this other way that's worked fine for years? It's a fine point. Yeah, and I think whenever you think about these kinds of rule changes, following the money is big. I, it, it's interesting that you don't have see, hear MLB talking about this specifically. And what would worry me there is if you're trying to start talking, you're having the conversation again of shortening the length of games and trying to make it more compact and all that. This would be a bullshit thing to do to try to affect that. But yeah, they're not doing uh, that, so I'm not trying to pin that on them. That's like you're trying to lose 30 pounds, so you cut off your leg. Like That's a poor choice. Can we just talk about following the money with the Yankees specifically, not related to the mercy rule or yeah, yes, revenue or anything? Mm -hmm. So um, after Aaron Boone's rant got out, you know, they had that really strong, they, the umpire had a hot mic yeah. and that's how they got that rant audio. Um, the New York Yankees were uh, jockeying to have that audio not uh, out in public. They were also then pushing the MLB to like, make sure that the mics were off or at the correct levels all the time, like really trying to reinforce the rules associated with that and really like change the way they, they do policy with the microphones. But they, they, you know, it's bad PR for Boone to be out there just ranting and raving and cursing at this guy. It's not a good look. Is it? I think at the end, well, at the end of the day, I believe it's good for baseball because that was fucking fun. And yeah. I got a huge kick out of that. However, um, what the Yankees marketing team did, they went out and, licensed shirts that said fucking savages in the box so that they could sell them so they were both following the money and also trying to like keep that from being in the public eye it's just a very sort of counterintuitive move yeah um and i just thought that was super interesting it's the equivalent of as soon as being pulled over by a cop getting out of the car and running straight at him you know it's it really <laughs> is <laughs> but i mean they 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 were simultaneously trying to squash the audio and make the most money off it at the same time. But those are the times whenever teams are most dangerous from a culture standpoint. And I mean this in a good way. Like what happened with Boston last year where it was what? Hashtag do damage. I think it was Justin. What yep. was it? I have the shirt. Yeah. And then, you know, I remember when the Rangers were really hot in 11. Like there were all these shirts everywhere with a claw and an antler. Like that was like their thing that year. And so I think that when you get one of those organic things happening, uh, it can be good for, for the team and for culture. And this one, the only regrettable thing is uh, personally, I feel calling people savages is kind of racist, like against native people, but that's just my own take. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. About that, uh, so my favorite one of those in recent memory is, when Max Muncie hit uh, a splashdown in McCovey Cove against Madison Bumgarner. And Bumgarner's obviously chirping at Muncie. Muncie's kind of um, staring in awe of what he's done. And Bumgarner's chirping at him. And Muncie says, if you want it so bad, why don't you go fish it out of the ocean? And then that made it onto some of the T-shirts that the players were, were wearing. I thought that one was fantastic. Pretty it's wonderful. Awesome. It's incredible. No, and if you like what you're hearing, make sure to check us out. We are at sensiblyloud.com. It's your main one-stop shop for all things our podcast and Sensibly Loud related. Plus, we got a slew of other podcasts out there. Chances are, if you like it, we have a podcast about it. And uh, definitely huge shout out to JMac, founder numero uno. Welcome back, and thank you so much for producing this episode. We definitely uh, want you all to, you know, keep on listening.
Thank you, fellas. It's good to be back. We want to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 79 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with a sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big ups to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive, and we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. Damn Red Sox.